0: Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of Dark to video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day. In Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the machines are still attempting to annihilate the human race in the year 2029. Their previous attempt to send a cybernetic organism back in time to kill Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton, was unsuccessful. Now they are trying it again to target her son John Connor, played by Edward Furlong, who will grow up to be the leader of the Resistance if left alive. The humans send their own machine back to protect John against this upgraded T-1000 Terminator. Screenplay by James Cameron and William Wisher Directed by James Cameron and released in theaters nationwide on July 3rd, 1991. We've both seen Terminator 2 before. Yes. Yes.
1: I've seen this movie a lot. Yeah, several
0: times. Several times. Uh, yeah, I owned the DVD, I've watched it with commentary and all the special features and everything, and um, this is one of those. One of my I don't know it, I, I, it's definitely not one of my first R-rated movies, but it's probably one of the more graphic R-rated movies that I saw as a kid
1: at this time.
0: I know you saw a bunch of like horror stuff. <laughs>
1: did you watch the f- so did you watch the first one before this one when you were a kid? or no. did you just see this?
0: I just saw this. I, I was at a friend's birthday sleepover with a bunch of people. And this is one of the movies that we watched. So it was probably like 1992, early 1992, and it was on video or whatever. Yeah. And so we just all watched it as part of the uh, the birthday party. So that was my first exposure. I mean, I'm sure I knew that a first one existed just because of the title of the movie. But, but you just... I knew nothing
1: about it at all. Okay, so yeah. you didn't know the story, I guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Did you see the first one first? Yeah, I saw the first one. I was like seven when I watched the first one. <laughs> okay. Because I remember it really scaring me. And But we watched the first and second one. I mean, obviously I was like young, so.
0: The first one is honestly played a lot more like a Friday the 13th type of uh, serial yeah. killer stalker horror movie. Yeah. With a sci-fi creature. It's it's much more of a horror movie than it is a sci-fi movie in my mind, the first one.
1: Yeah, that one's scarier. This is just more sci-fi. Yeah. Action.
0: Yeah, this one's like pure sci-fi action with a lot more comedy.
1: Yes. The first one does not have any. I mean, I mean the only comedy is just watching like the graphics
0: or the like the aloof roommate who's, you know,
1: yeah. Just making
0: a sandwich while her boyfriend's getting killed, or something like that. Yeah, like that's supposed to be sort of comedic. Yeah, I,
1: th- I mean, but that I remember that movie scaring scaring me. That I, and plus, I I'm surprised I never talked about this. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But okay, this is like like my first time, I guess. After a hundred, this is a, our hundredth episode. Yeah. But um. I used to watch this movie a lot because I was obsessed with Edward Furlong. <laughs> okay. I was, like I had a huge when I was 11, I had a huge crush on Edward Furlong. So that was one of the reasons why I watched this movie a lot. Okay. Not because of the story. Not, or not because of the story. <laughs> uh yeah, I didn't I, I
0: I didn't own a copy of it until it came out on DVD, so I didn't watch it more until like college age. But um, yeah, that wasn't the reason I watched it over and over again. I, I watched it because it was uh, one of the best action. Yeah, sci-fi I mean, movies. and
1: then I also thought it was funny. It's like around this time where you had like you're humanizing robots. You, right. you got, like. You know short circuit yeah so it's like I'm tr- I can't think of any I mean we watched I mean you in know- a way
0: mannequin in a way yeah you know like you're you're eh. humanizing like things that are not naturally human
1: yeah so right. you're like oh you want to be friends with them or it's like you want to have your own robot that's like your friend and you can teach them you know lingo and they make you laugh or whatever right
0: because I think what the movie's really trying to say is, uh, don't make this stuff. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean like,
1: that's because exa- they will turn on you. Because yes. when you see movies now, like Ex Machina or whatever. It's like the it's more advanced. Like they're gonna become smarter than you and kill you.
0: Yeah, and and these types of themes have been around for a while. You know, like I think um, Isaac Asimov wrote about this in like iRobot and some of his other stories um, as well about the idea of robots are there to protect you, but sometimes the way that they protect you is to basically kill you because humans are so self-destructive on their own that they don't know any better and we gotta take care of this. So that's basically what happens in the first one and the second one. Is like the reason there's this robotic uprising is basically they just you know the the AI decided humans are the problem. They're going to kill themselves. It's in their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they are too too ingrained in fighting one another to do any real good. And so we have to eliminate them all for the betterment of the planet. So. Obviously, the humans that survive everything want to fight back and stay alive. Um, And so, yeah, it becomes that war against the machines. And, yeah, I mean, the whole concept of AI coming to life is really in the news now with, like, these chat programs and, uh, like, chat GPT and, you know... um,
1: Yeah, using AI. The Dolly
0: art thing or whatever else, you know, they're just they're learning things and I and, and they're, you know it's all based on the ethics of who created it and there's like this whole yeah, there's there's a big dynamic of eth- ethical ramifications, legal ramifications, and what does this mean? Like we're getting way too close to robotic sentience mm-hmm. in a sense is what the fear is and what does that mean how do you control it how can you control it can it be controlled at a certain point or will it whatever yeah
1: Um, this is another good movie that would be played in my ethics and religion class that i had because it's just like when they went to you know when they go to miles house you Miles know, Dyson the Miles one who's Dyson who's like like the lead engineer the, of cr- well yeah the creator of Cyberdyne the T800 or just the chip or whatever um when he's talking to his wife he's like oh you imagine you know using a robot to land planes it's like he's trying to do this for good mhm but he doesn't realize what's going to happen. <laughs> and, um...
0: Yeah. There, I mean, there's this idea of there's so many good applications to this. Like, he, he's
1: doing it for the... for good intentions. He's yeah, not...
0: For the right reasons. Like, okay, what if we have planes that can never fail because you have these can, pilots, there's no more human error, there's no more falling asleep at the wheel, whatever it is, you know, these self-driving things because they're so...
1: Even Perfect. though there are car, like some self-driving cars now, but I mean, but, yeah, they I mean, still are in. Like, if you one wrong malfunction, and you can, they could still crash or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, car self-driving <sighs> cars are any purely. So
1: it's like you still need a human to oversee it.
0: Yeah, very true, and, and honestly, like there, you can't. Just because you have like a robot operating things, there are external factors that would make it impossible. So like let's take a car, for example, really quickly, right? So if you're having a self-driving car, what if a deer crosses the road? That could still cause an accident because even a robot might not have enough time to react to that, depending mm-hmm. on where it comes in. What if the road is too slippery? Sure, you can try to accommodate that, but you also have other human drivers on the road. There's a lot of different factors Mm-hmm. in there that could still cause accidents and, and problems. So it's not a be-all, catch-all. And so what Miles Dyson is trying to do, he's he's thinking of the optimistic parts. Yeah. But what the movie is trying to say, and also like, Sarah no. Connor, when she's talking about is it, it's like, like, how could you not think about the evil imp- implications of this as well? Yeah. Because that is what people are going to use it for. If anyone gets a hold well, of like, it, guns. they are going yeah. to use it for evil. <laughs> yeah so um you know i i agree like this this movie has a really good place in an ethical class for multiple things this this is good in a philosophy class because there's so much talk about yeah it's a lot of like what would
1: you do like even at the end when the t800 is like you have one more chip and he points at his head and then you know you have John Connor who's like no because he sees him as like a father figure because he never knew his father Mm -hmm. and then even talking about how his mom just like went from guy to guy to guy and then having not a great upbringing with his foster parents really right so he's like seeing his, quote, dad killing, like dying, <laughs> even though it's, you know, a robot.
0: Yeah, it, it's like a, it's it's the only person, he, well, he, the only male figure, figure in unquote, his life that's that has been, been like a constant, him. yeah. But also it's his pet at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because he's teaching him so many things, it's almost like a puppy dog slash father. And yeah. both of those have to go at the same time because it's the same entity um, yeah that that's really difficult to, to do but at the same time if you don't destroy everything then I mean, yeah, then you, that increases you have to, the chance of this, it, this world becoming they could just take that the chip the nuclear and judgment then, day happening know. so but yeah I also think that there's like this really interesting aspect about fate you know because they talk about you know there, the no there is fate. no there is no fate, but yeah. what we make for ourselves, the future is not set. The movies kind of... I don't know. They, they prove that point, and then they also prove against that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I guess it also kind of works into the third movie, which I actually... I'm probably one of the few people who actually likes the third Terminator movie. But I think that also kind of gets into that whole situation, too, where you can try whatever you want to try, but ultimately all roads are going to lead to this one path. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah, like, no matter how hard, exactly, no matter how hard you're trying to do this for good, it's still going to become bad. Yeah. Like a bad outcome.
0: Yeah, so like Cyberdyne may be destroyed, right? The chips may be destroyed. Yeah, but then you you have, still other going com- to happen.
1: Yeah, you have other companies that will probably want to do this or other engineers or whoever. Yeah,
0: or there may be some other so weird little just, snippet of something. Yeah. I forget what happens in T3 as to how they explain like the whole situation. But, yeah,
1: I fr- uh, I, all I remember is like Judgment Day just does happen. Yeah. But just not on the day that, um, like Sarah Connor said, like yeah, um, it's not 1997, 1997 it's like five years later or something.
0: Yeah. Cause I think the movie came out after 1997, so they couldn't say that, but yeah, yeah it, it's basically, it's just an alternate path, you know, like it's, it's not like a butterfly effect in that you change absolutely everything and everything's going to be fine. It's just now the can has been kicked down the road a little bit, um, yeah. It's still inevitable and that's that's one of the scarier parts about this whole situation. It's like yes, you, the immediate threat is gone, but
1: but I mean it's gonna happen no matter what
0: yeah, and in this movie, they talk about it in the most dire terms imaginable with a very disturbing like i the movie didn't scare me generally speaking, but that playground
1: scene. Oh yeah, that's the freakiest <laughs> part. Like, because I forgot how messed up it was. Because when it's mostly with like Sarah Connor's um,
0: melting body. melting
1: body turning into a skeleton, and then her skeleton body is still holding on to the fence. Yeah, that was like th- That's the scariest part.
0: Yeah, you see like these children's bodies made out of ash and blowing away after the nuclear yeah, attack Yeah, you don't happens. see
1: them. And, they just turn to ash, but just her body, she you see her melting.
0: And still holding onto the fence, and, and she's, this is a dream sequence, right? And so yeah. she's screaming at everybody, but nothing's coming out. Um, it's, it's completely silent and everyone's just playing, and then all of a sudden the explosion happens and destroys everything. And they have other insert shots of the buildings being being blown away by the impact and everything. Um, from everything I'm reading, this was the most realistic depiction of an atomic blast that has been captured in camera. Yeah. Um, at least up to that point, point. and yeah, it it's extremely disturbing. Uh, so. I don't know it's 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 tough to explain everything with the, the the fate and the humanity because I mean there's also that aspect of time travel involved in this right so you have these machines and everything coming back from 2029 originally to 1984 I guess I, the timeline's yeah. kind of messed up right because if this movie is taking place in 1991 then that means that John Connor should be like 6 or 7 years old
1: no, because it said nineteen
0: ninety four. It did. Okay, I missed that. I missed the. I wrote down nineteen ninety seven was Judgment Day, so he's about like 10, 11. Yeah,
1: he's ten. Cause she. I mean, even though the actor's the like first...
0: fourteen, which kind of makes things tougher.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, it's nineteen ninety five. So yeah, he's ten ten eleven. Okay. When he comes, so it's the quote future, like like how. Harley Davidson in The Marvel Man was, like, five years later. Yeah. This is, uh, like, four years after 1991. So it's this is the near future, whatever. The near future. Yeah. Because, yeah, I thought about that, too. Like, it couldn't be set in 1991 because John Connor would have to be, like... Seven years old or something
0: i mean it also threw me off because the psychiatrist who's played by the same actor from the first yeah. one earl bowen plays dr solberman here he says that sarah connor is now 29 years old
1: yes so she was 19 in the first one
0: which is weird because she doesn't seem 19 yes. yeah
1: i thought she was at least 21 because she goes into um a club, but whatever. I mean, this is the 80s. I mean, whatever. Who knows what you can if they're checking IDs or know, whatever. She wasn't drinking or anything. She just went to a club.
0: Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I thought she was, like, early 20s in the first one.
0: That's why I assumed, too, and also just because of the actress's real age. It's uh, Again, yeah. all, all kinds of, like, so, and, it, it throws some things off. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, you have the, the time travel aspect of it, right? So, and, and so, you know, it, it's things like you see from other movies like Back to the Future or even Bill and Ted, where if you go back in time and you actually accomplish the mission that you do, then the future has changed, which means the stuff never actually happened. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's that weird, like, time loop thing that kind of has to be reconciled here. And the fact that the things just keep going on that they were attacked kind of means that it, it happened. yeah, it it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, like the future is set because this just happened to you. It wouldn't have happened to you if you're able to fix it. Yeah. So
1: that's what, um, so yeah, when they do come back from 2029 to 1995 and you know, the T 800 who Arnold Arnold, <laughs> Arnold <Schwarzenegger, yeah. laughs> she's just the T 800. Um, was like yeah you when he t- first talks to John Connor he's like you sent me from the future I mean and then yeah, John you Connor me. yeah John Connor sorta already knows this because his mom has been training him since like birth for this and for also this tells him about
0: the future and tells him like your yeah. dad is from the future you'll meet him eventually yeah
1: right? and like- he's like he's And then throughout, like, the first part of the movie, it's like, yeah, my mom's crazy because she is in an insane asylum or whatever, and I don't believe whatever she's saying until, like, the T-800 comes and saves him. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, my mom's been right all along. So now he's like, okay, I'm into, like, I get it. Like, this is my mission now. But, um, yeah... So, it's this Judgment Day is going to happen no matter how you try to stop it. Because why would he, the Terminator, and the T-1000 come back from the future if it never
0: happened? And John would never be born. Yeah. So, it it also kind of gets to the point of, like, well, why is this happening then? Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) like, if... I don't know. Like, it almost... It's almost like that, that Bill and Ted scene where it's like, okay, well I have to go, I have to hide the keys in the bushes, which means I have to, after this is all over, I have to then go get the keys from my dad and hide them in the bushes. So remind me to do that. And then Ted's like, well, the keys are here. So you did it. Yeah. So good job. It's like this weird self-fulfilling prophecy thing. And yeah, I don't know. It's this, it's, it's really strange. Either way, but right? then like,
1: Yeah, and then you're spending the entire movie, like, on their side. Like, yeah, let's stop it. Because <laughs> you're on their side. You want them to... I mean,
0: we're on the side of humans. Yeah, or exactly. Or we're supposed to be. So, you know, <laughs> so we want the humans to win. We want the machines <laughs> you, to lose. But if
1: you really think about it, it's like, oh, it's going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I think, and,
0: I think the, the difference is, that, like, if John Connor were to die at that point in 1995 Mm -hmm. then someone else would just take over that role as the leader of the resistance
1: right you know the resistance
0: would still be there um there's also the weird thing that they really don't explain in the movie at all as to why they choose the time periods that they chose to go back in time you know if if we know that sarah connor is going to be the threat because she births john
1: yeah Why go
0: back to 1984 when she's, like, an adult? Why not go back when she's a kid?
1: I think the later movies, because we haven't watched the Terminator Dark Fate or the Genesis. Yeah. I think the later movies uh, goes into that.
0: Like, there's something about the time mechanic that, like...
1: Back to where they want to kill her as a kid, Sarah Connor.
0: Okay, but there's there's nothing there's nothing in the plot of these that explains like oh well, we we could only choose these times for some reason. You I know think what I mean? because
1: like, they're well, I don't because they're like well, John Connor was born in 1984 or like conceived in 1984. We don't know right. if he was born like in the end of 84. Or like in the beginning of eighty five, whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't know his birthday. But I'm
0: just saying, like, th- that's one of the tough things about this. So they right, want to is...
1: like kill her before she can conceive this child.
0: Yeah, but like, okay, so you failed this time, but like, why not just go back farther? Why not try? Yeah, again like two
1: more. Just nineteen eighty two. Right.
0: Go go back in nineteen eighty five when. Like, she's in the hospital, like, birthing. Oh, giving
1: birth? You know what I mean? Like, Like, when she's too
0: vulnerable. Because
1: she's, like... There's a
0: lot of... Yeah.
1: No, I get it. But then, at that point, she's pregnant, and she's traveling down south to, like, basically Central America. I don't think she... She goes to Nicaragua. That's what John Connor said. It's like they just kept on going further and further down Central America. And I don't know... I mean the people in like the robots in the future they wouldn't they know because they could pinpoint her like anywhere because they're always going to la
0: because that's where they know she lives or dead so i mean yeah that's that's the that's the other part of i don't know these are the nitpicks yeah like we can talk about the nitpicks all the time like so i mean just introducing some of the nitpicks of this whole situation um even with that though, like even with like these small little nitpicks, because you're gonna have those pretty what, much with any. Time and then I understand, like why
1: why when he's like a ten year old?
0: Yeah, like why not younger? You know, like why not when he's like less inclined to be able to defend himself? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what kind of. But they don't. Throws the no loop.
1: movie's gonna show some robot killing like a toddler because that's like really morbid.
0: I guess so. I mean, I'm sure that's probably the the monetary studio reason yeah but in terms of plot it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're a terminator whose sole mission is to kill something yeah, also you they have don't... terrible aim oh yeah <laughs> you know there are a lot of bullet holes on those elevator doors or, and on those other things like these are machines that should be very precise and they are missing with a lot of those gunshots so little nitpicks But it makes the action better, more intense. Yeah. If it was just as simple as, oh, I can see you from the bars and I have a gun, I'm going to shoot you from the bars and end a movie, Mm. um, as opposed to, let me turn into liquid metal and morph my way through the bars and then reform and chase you and then try to attack you, that makes a better movie.
1: Well, yeah, because you want to see the cool graphics.
0: Yeah. So you have to. uh, this, yeah, this this movie was not written by machines. It was written by two people, and so they're they're going after the entertainment value. But when you look at it from the terms of like plot holes, then that's when that develops. I'd still call this basically a perfect movie, though. I don't know about you, but um, I mean it has virtually everything I wanted as a twelve-year-old kid, eleven-year-old kid when I watched it for the first time, and still this past week it still had pretty much everything
1: I wanted out of this movie. Yeah. So I mean it starts right away, which is good. Yeah. The first movie starts right away. Yeah. And it it does a good job of explaining, you know, like um Yeah, you not, don't need a
0: whole lot of backstory y- to understand. Yeah you're not, not like
1: what the fuck's going on? I mean, you just, it starts right away, but you're like, oh, I, I get it. I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, and then, and people do a good job of explaining from the first movie into the, sec- the second one, like, where Sarah was, you know, how she came to get into the insane asylum or whatever that hospital and what happened to John Connor and then there's no like quote loophole like not that many loopholes to be like oh but wait wasn't and then they didn't um, even with the going into the future where T-800 is explaining because when Sarah, once Sarah sees the T-800, she's like, oh, that's the Terminator that's coming for me. Right. But then when she finds out that he he's the protector, and then once they like drive away from the T-1000 and realize, you know, this is a new machine coming after her, she's like, what's your story? The T-800 does a good example of what happened. He was like, yeah, during this time... Mm-hmm they made like a better version of, like the T1000 is much better version of a robot than I am etc i don't know yeah. it's just like everything is explained for you and they do a good job and you're not like cuz you have questions you're like oh but what happened to blah 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 and then you'll find out like maybe in 10 15 minutes
0: yeah exactly and and it's also done really well in terms of naturally integrating into the dialogue. It never feels like an exposition dump. It's always just part of a natural conversation.
1: Right. Even with, like, that family that she visits when she go, they go to Mexico, like, they're probably, like, you know, on the border of Mexico, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. That one family, I mean, th- that is even explained well. Because you're just like, who is this person? And it's just like, you know, this family that was helping her out and John Connor when he was little and she knew that this was going to happen they already had like a bunker full of weapons for this day to come
0: yeah yeah so
1: everything... i mean we so everything's just there you can't be like oh well how would she know or whatever you know
0: absolutely and i think the the closest we get to an exposition dump is from the psychiatrist dr silverman yeah when, when he's explaining to like visiting students or something to say this is this Person who thinks that her baby's father came from the future, yeah, man and...
1: from the future, and you know he's he's like all condescending He's like a fucking asshole. Like he's all condescending and whatever about mm-hmm. it.
0: And that's another thing that really interests me, and also just is a really good example of um, the humanity that this movie is trying to show, or the lack of, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people in this movie who abuse. Any little bit of power that they have, like Doctor Silverman, like the foster parents to a degree. I mean, mm-hmm. we see that. I mean, the foster parents we are told are dicks. The worst that we really see is that they're kind of like they don't give a shit too much. And the mom says, "Hey, go clean your room," and he's like, "No," yeah, and then drives off so like. But there's nothing he seems really to like to have a good
1: time. life because he just goes off and does whatever he wants. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, they just don't, re- right. they just don't care, I guess. Right. Because they'll be like, the cops will get him, because I guess he did go to Juvie. Yeah. Because that's how we find out how the T-1000 finds him.
0: Yeah, he's able to, to access those records. But, I mean, going to the T-1000 as well, but first, like, the nurses as well. We see the nurses take advantage of um, Sarah Connor um, in various different ways. And, and then also... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, abusing, just, yeah, just beating her up. And
0: the T-1000 mm-hmm. abuses his authority as a fake cop. Because he's posing oh, yeah. as a cop, and then he's abusing his authority to do that. Um, which is an interesting Cause commentary of the you, time, You. Th-
1: well. I mean, this is another thing, like, in the movie, they don't explain. There's, you know, in the beginning of the movie, there's, like, some, like, a paragraph saying, you know, two men come... One is to protect and one is to kill. Right. And in the beginning, you're thinking that, like, the T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is going to be the killer. hmm And the T-1000 is going to be the protector because he's, like, the cop. Right. And, and also because do the don't first know who... one. He is
0: the villain. Yeah, the he's the one. villain.
1: So you automatically think, oh, he's going to come and kill John Connor again. But, you know, the twist is that he's the protector. And we don't find that out until...
0: Until the literal Guns and Roses scene. Yeah, like 20,
1: 30 minutes in.
0: Yeah, there's a chase in the mall slash arcade. Um, John is in the back hallways of the mall. And both of the Terminators are coming from opposite directions. And you see the T-800 carrying this box of roses that he goodies. drops... And reveals that he has the shotgun that he stole from the guy in the biker bar at the beginning of the scene, mm-hmm. um, and then shoots the the cop T one thousand. So they they try they were trying to make that a secret. I don't think that they succeeded, and I think they just kind of acquiesced at the end when they were doing well, their initial marketing. I
1: think yeah. Well, in commercials, you. You see the T-1000 coming after them. So you're like, oh... Like, people yeah. already knew, like, oh, but that's the new bad guy.
0: The intention was to keep it a secret until you actually went into this. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, that's a good um, reveal, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also read that the original plan was honestly to have uh, Michael Bane come back as the villain.
1: Oh. That he would
0: basically be the T-1000 human form so it would be like a complete switch of roles mm-hmm. and that they scrapped because they thought that would be way too confusing and I think that's probably a good idea yeah to have like a cybernetic version of Kyle Reese yeah I
1: mean that would be more fucked up for Sarah
0: yeah exactly but it would you know make it a little bit you know the first time he that she sees Arnold and is scared shitless because you know here's this vision from her past. Yeah. Um, the,
1: the guy that she's been warning people for 10 years is back.
0: You could see how impactful it would be to have, you know, that confrontation show in front of her. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, this person that, you know, the personification oh, yeah, then... of someone I love being blown away by my enemy. Yeah. But really the roles were, you know, that, that could be like a huge mind fuck. Um, but they didn't do that. Uh, but Kyle does come back as a cameo in the special edition of this movie. He's not in the theatrical release, but he does have... We watched the special edition, actually, of this. And so, yeah, we have Kyle Reese in a cameo dream sequence where he motivates Sarah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, the abuse of power with the fake cops. Um, another quick little tidbit. I'm not sure if you read this as well, but apparently... The biker bar that they shot the opening scene with Arnold in. Mm-hmm. That was right across the street from where oh. Rodney King was attacked. And they were filming that night, apparently. Yeah. As well. So Yeah, I saw that. But I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting commentary that I think is intentional by Cameron and, and, and Wisher here. Where this cop who is supposed to be a protector... Mm-hmm. Somebody you're supposed to trust. Don't just blindly assume that the uniform means they're good. I think that's a fully intentional thing for them to be.
1: Oh yeah, putting out there.
0: Uh, we should talk about the special effects. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not going to talk about a whole lot of the different scenes and like go through the plot points. I think most people. Mm, we sort
1: of did. I mean... Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people have seen this movie. We don't have to really go through all, you know, the the plot progression. But we have to talk about the special effects in that they are some of the most groundbreaking, even though they are extremely I don't know, they seem simplistic now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of video when we're watching it now, it's very video game graphic now. I don't explain it. Yeah. Like it looked like a video game. I don't know. But I mean 30 years ago, people's minds are blown because it's like you're showing him melting and then reforming. That's just like, you know, not heard of in 1991.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this This really pushed the boundaries of what computer graphics could do at the time. You know, we talked about Beauty and the Beast and how amazing some of the, the computer work was done with that movie. Mm -hmm. But that was mostly just static backgrounds that the characters were able to float around. This is actual, like, manipulation of this metallic material that doesn't actually exist, and having reflections of the actors bouncing back on it. There's a lot of processing power that had to be done in 1991. Yeah. Like, pre-Windows 95, right? You know, clearly. Yeah. Um, So... To have all those elements work uh, is, is something that really makes or breaks this movie. And they weren't sure that it was going to be possible. I think James Cameron's work on The Abyss helped him realize, yes, the technology is technically there. But is there enough time and manpower to actually make all of these scenes happen? And so the number of actual special effects shots in this movie is pretty low. I don't know if you saw the number. I think it's like less than 100 overall, less than 50 possibly of actual like computer shots. Most yeah. of it's done practically. Like, you know, all those different, um, most of the time when Robert Patrick is getting shot and you see like these explosions of silver yeah, the... pop out, those are like squibs that are, you know, like putting little like metallic flowers that bloom when they press the button to make the script go out. It's not a computer graphic thing, the way I kind of assumed it was as a kid. Um, when they're reforming and closing up on his body, that is. When you see him getting shot in the face and like his head explodes, yeah. that's all practical. That's like a suit. That's like rubber. Yeah, know, cause there's an amazing amount of stuff that can be done it practically. It
1: reminds that part where even like at the very end when they're in that um the factory the factory i guess i was like what what was that place yeah uh, <laughs> the place the, that
0: they should have used in a uh, kiss before dying
1: yeah <laughs> the, so yeah in the factory like when he's getting well even on the way when he's driving that truck and it has like the the, the nitrous or whatever yeah, yeah the liquid o- oxygen and him turning into like an icicle or whatever. Yeah. And then his foot is getting stuck and then you see it just break off and then, I don't know, the way that his body is like falling into a million pieces was cool. And then seeing, you know, them all form back. The, the way that the all the liquid was like once he was melting back together to himself and then the part where he's like being shot a million times and his body is literally like two halves, but it's like turning into itself. Yeah, that's like it reminds me of like the thing.
0: It is, yeah, it it, it definitely does, and and also even when it's like melting in the the vat. Yeah, at the when, end, he's, when he's
1: when he. Officially is killed and his face is, like, reforming or whatever. And he's turning up...
0: into all the different people he killed during the course yeah. of the movie as he melts and he's, like, sort of, like, convulsing and everything. Yeah. And, yeah, like, his face comes out of his own face, sort of like Freddy in... Right. In <laughs> Freddy Six. So, um... But, yeah, like, a lot of that stuff is, is practical. Obviously, like, the part where he's morphing into different people at the end is not. And then... But, yeah, like the pretzel looking thing, like all yeah, these different that's, hangings, that's like three or four different bodysuits that they just mm-hmm. shot, and it's it's amazing how seamless it all is, as I think because it's of my point like is. when
1: you watch I mean everything is so cGI now that yeah. it just it, you take it's it for not granted. fun, I don't know
0: it's true, yeah like if you watch a Marvel movie, it has to be fun for different reasons. You're not going to be blown away by the special effects. you're like, oh, it's computers. Like we, yeah, it, we it all know all this. Of the like,
1: you, like Game of Thrones with the fucking dragon. I don't know. It's just like I don't know. It's you yeah. can tell it's computer, right? And it's like yeah, generated. the sequence is cool, but it's
0: not like mind blowing because yeah. you don't have that aspect in the back of your head saying, "Look at what someone like put their physically th- created with their own hands."
1: Yeah, and it's not like never-ending story where they made that giant luck dragon right? out of, like, some robotic thing. They yeah. don't do that anymore. They,
0: yeah, they, they really don't. And I think it really does hurt the appeal of a lot of these movies. And this is a great example of one where it, it combines things perfectly, where you have all these amazing practical effects and you see, like, this shattering body that normally, you know, like now, would just be a computer graphic effect. Yeah. Cause, they built I mean, a like model the... and then blew it up. Like that's so much cooler cooler. and it looks better because it is real and you have actual real lighting. You don't have to program the lighting to work in a certain way and whatever. Um, That's
1: even like in the first one with like the stop, it's kind of like cheesy, but I mean, I, I still like it Yeah. when they do show the Terminator when he's like skeletal, like fully skeletal and he's like running Yeah. and you can tell it's like stop motion, whatever. It's, yeah, it's but just not still, super fluid
0: stop motion, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's it's a moment. or even
1: when, in the first one when Arnold is like taking his eye out and right. it's like obviously like <laughs> it's like obviously like a fake head, doing all of this, mm-hmm. but. I mean, it's still better than like a CGI thing.
0: It's still more visceral. It's yeah. still um, it hits you in a in a different way, so. Uh, and I think they just they used the liquid when they needed to use the liquid and then the rest of it was just done as practical and th- part of that was because they didn't have the computer processing power I think nowadays probably a I mean, lot of yeah. this would be done computer instead of practical but you know it just made it better um, you know like the, the, <laughs> and there's so many different iconic scenes like most of the ending there's so many different iconic like spots of that but also the milk carton kill from the yeah, foster parents. When he,
1: even when he does, like, when he points his finger and it becomes, like, this long, sharp knife.
0: Yeah. When he's coming out of the floor. Like, yeah. Like, melting out of the floor to kill the security guard guy. Um, even things that aren't really special effects related, but, like, Miles Dyson's death scene is extremely iconic to me as well.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that was... It's like a heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it's for a couple end. reasons that it's iconic. I think it's like Miles Dyson, who's this creator who has this good intention behind everything, mm-hmm. realizes that what he's creating is going to ruin all of humanity, and he wants to stop it too. Yeah, he is unfortunately the one caught in the crossfire of everything. He's shot by, you know, Dean he's Norris, multiple, <laughs> who's playing like, the SWAT leader, like
1: multiple here. times, and then and and then he's like fighting for his life. He's got, like, that detonator in his hand. Yeah, Yeah. and then when they find him, and he's, like, gasping for air, and he's like, I don't have much longer. Yeah,
0: I I can't hold this very very long and basically telling all of the people who shot him, get out. Like, he's telling his killers... To get "Get, out. Like, he's
1: still... a good guy. I mean, even to, like, his death. Like, he's not even... Even after he's shot, and he sees Sarah... He's like telling Sarah to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and like the gasping, and like when the gasping stops, like yeah, you know, that's it. Um, but yeah, I'd say he has a very very short amount of time on screen, uh, but extremely effective. It's longer in the special edition because you see like him explaining to his wife about how everything works and you know th- the goodness of things like all we're yeah. talking about like imagine a plane like, you're with always with a pilot working that doesn't and,
1: fail right you're always working you're supposed to take your kids out today why can't you just like take a day off yeah from so they there. have that but he's added. just like i'm on a roll right now and i want to like make this thing for good you right. know like he's thinking about the betterment of the world <laughs> for the future
0: and so while that's happening, Sarah is setting up an assassination attempt to kill yeah. him in his home. I mean, and that's, that's after... the second most disturbing aspect in the entire movie, I yeah. think, is because you have the sun rolling and it's like, don't don't hurt my daddy, don't hurt my daddy. And
1: yeah. It's like, but she's like, that's after she wakes up from that Judgment Day dream. Yeah. Like she like, doesn't, she's in that Mexican... I have to do this, yeah. She doesn't even say goodbye to anyone. She just wakes up from that dream. And gets in a car and goes straight to his house.
0: Right. And I think part of that is because she wants to protect John, right? Right. And John's with the T eight hundred. She's kind so... of like
1: um I don't know, like she like she just goes in a blackout and she's like, I must do this and there's like nothing else. Nothing else can stop her until right. she sees her son stop her and she's like, Oh, I can't even believe what I did. Yeah. Once she like shot up his entire uh computer system in it. but she's shooting the fucking house up not realizing that this guy's like a family man
0: yeah I mean but at the same time like she sees herself as expendable mm-hmm. right like she sees that John is the mission keeping him alive is the sole purpose of everything so family man or not I have to do this because this is society at stake yeah, so, like that. That's her. That's her and whole it thing. Doesn't... But it, but when she's like confronted with the actual reality of it, and she's in the home trying to finish off the until like the job, his
1: son comes out and's like, "Don't shoot my dad."
0: Yeah, then it's
1: and then John. Then and... it starts to hit
0: home. It's like, oh god, I don't know if I had this in me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so it's a very interesting, powerful scene that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be handled i I think the whole movie i think you you just don't expect it to be handled as as well as it is there's very little that's cheesy in this movie yeah i think the cheesiest stuff is just the attempts at humor where john is trying to teach the 200 different stuff
1: that's why i feel like it appeased to the children because those are the funny parts where John Connor is teaching him, like, you know, don't say affirmative, like who, Uh but he's trying to make him sound human because they're, you know, on the run or whatever, and he has to come off as, like, a human man. Yeah. So you can't have him talking, like, saying negative or affirmative to other people in the world.
0: say no problemo. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, that kind of goes to the point of the movie, it's like, you're teaching your destructor. Yeah, to destroy you. You're you're teaching it to be more effective at its job.
1: Of Even playing. when it's um yeah, when when John Connor realizes that the T800 is there to protect him and there's like a point where he's like, "Oh, like John Connor wants to run away." Right. And then there's like a group of like punks that see that. Yeah. To, like, interfere. But then, um, like, while those group of punks come by, that's when the T-800 is like, here. I'm here to protect you, blah, blah, blah. I do whatever you say. And he's like, oh, you do whatever I say. So I want you to, like, mess with these guys, but don't kill them. He's like, don't kill anyone. And right. he's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, T-800 says, why? And he's like, because you can't. And he's just like, Why? <laughs> and it's like just don't kill like no them. We're killing. Yeah. So that's when he starts like shooting people in like the kneecaps and whatever. He's like I'm not even when they blow up that the cyberdyne
0: yeah, he kills all area. he shoots all the SWAT people in the leg.
1: Yeah, he's shooting everyone in the legs cuz even John Connor or like Sarah's like don't kill anyone.
0: By the way, if you're if if you're listening from great britain uh you didn't see that
1: oh they don't show the
0: apparently that's a uh kneecapping is something that um was very i I, was very prevalent in the irish uh the the ira
1: oh okay uh
0: and so they they deleted that scene i think yeah
1: to get rid of that but even so when he's he gets like the um like a machine gun or whatever, and he's shooting at the cars, not yeah, like the tier, guys. Tear gas,
0: uh, yeah, like he's shooting like to disable the cars, and then he comes out with like a tear gas gun later on and yeah, just yeah. like shoots tear gas and everybody. Right? But you know the, that's where the 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 stuff the cheesiness happens. Well, I guess also at the end is like. I now know why you cry.
1: Yeah, because like he's kind of crying. Yeah, it's like why? What is this water coming out of yeah. your face? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, like a <laughs> lot of like
0: sappy, stupidness, but it's limited.
1: And um, then he, yeah, because John is trying to like teach him, like, oh, because I was hurt.
0: Yeah, it's like not physical, but whatever. But not
1: that type of hurt. Like a different type of hurt. And he, and then you know the T eight hundred doesn't understand. Feelings, because they don't have that. But he's, like, teaching him feelings. Yeah. I mean,
0: it, it works to appeal to the 12-year-olds. Yeah. Right?
1: And it's still not
0: terrible. It's like, it's not off-putting. Again, I'm gonna say this is basically a perfect movie here. Um, but, yeah. Boy. It, 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 it is... It is a little cringy at times. Uh, We've talked about virtually everything except for the different action sequences. Do you have a favorite action sequence? We don't have to go through all of them, but, like... Because I can tell you what the MTV Movie Awards' favorite one was. But do you have a favorite one?
1: It's mostly, like, the motorcycle scenes.
0: The motorcycle and the 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 viaduct part? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That was my favorite, too. Um, MTV Movie Awards, we'll get into more awards later, but... It won for the best action sequence for the freeway chase with the helicopter
1: oh okay
0: and I understand why because it um, is the most um
1: like what Intensive scene? shoot yeah but the other one that's kind of intense is when the t1000 is chasing after them when they get out of the hospital and he's like hooked onto the back of the car right that's another intense scene it, I mean it it's is. not my favorite the favorite one is when he's on the motorcycle but I think what and then really... when like the truck goes over the bridge onto right like the whatever viaduct area and, and
0: the roof gets scraped off as it goes through that little yeah. tunnel thing. I think what really sealed the deal for this one is the shot of the helicopter going under that little bridge area. Okay, like under under the the overpass whatever it is, because that was done for real two times, and extremely dangerous mm-hmm. extremely dangerous that would never be done in real life today um, so I think that's sort of what did it is having like this, this helicopter chasing the thing and then you see it like swooping and like going underneath this very tight space and maneuvering to chase this thing uh, really a the action is ramped up like nobody's business there, I mean there were chase scenes to a degree in the first one. Mm-hmm. But most of those were not in vehicles. And this has a lot of vehicular chases. A lot of fight scenes. It's it's almost non-stop. Um, which is great. You know, you, you start like with uh, you know people fighting each other with guns inside a building and then they all get into their respective vehicles and are chasing each other and just kind of like you know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think... The most, uh, the most memorable one to me is the one that happened in the, uh, in the beginning, where John is on the motorcycle with the T-800 being chased by the big truck. But MTV chose a different one to, for the winner. So should we talk a little bit about the other awards, I guess? Uh, this movie won four different Oscars. Best sound, best sound effects editing, visual effects, and makeup. All I think very well deserved. It was also nominated for two more editing and cinematography. Cinematography was a surprising one to see on the list. But again, I, I think it kind of makes sense. Uh yeah, I mean. You don't I typically think of an action movie being. Pay attention to that. Yeah, I think it's. I mean. You have. I mean obviously with like the the special effects you have to really make sure everything is working exactly as it needs to be done but then you also have the tonal shifts of you have the the cooler blues for all the robotic metallic stuff and you have like the warmer oranges for the human interactions and and, you know kind of have that dichotomy which is uh, I mean relatively basic symbolism but at the same time is effectively done um So yeah, won four out of the six Oscars it was nominated for. At the Saturn Awards, it was nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Writing and Makeup, but it won for Special Effects Director, Best Performance by a Younger Actor, Bradward Furlong, and Best Actress, Linda Hamilton, and also won Best Science Fiction Film. At the MTV VMAs, the Video Music Awards, which we don't talk about a whole lot, It was nominated for the best video from a film for Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine. Uh, MTV Movie Awards, it was nominated for Best Villain for Robert Patrick, who, I mean, we talked about how uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle is the one that actually won the Best Villain that year.
1: Yeah, that's Um, weird.
0: But, um, boy, is Robert Patrick effective in this movie. We haven't really talked about his performance in this, but... He's just—he's so good at being a machine.
1: I read there. I don't know if you read like in the trivia that he was studying like actual predators, like hawks, yeah, and um, like lions and stuff. Like he was yeah. studying the movements of like animal predators to emulate that type of style
0: and he really trained himself to not open his mouth while running
1: yeah he yeah he did a lot of training the part where he's running after john connor like that first part where he's on his bike that's actually him running as fast as his bike
0: yeah and he's able to catch up to it yeah and also just the way he's when he gets shot while running the way he's able to just sort of like jolt his body in a certain way and just right. extremely believable and that he's like Oh yeah, this is damaged, but I'm mean, going to just keep like in how he recovers. It's just mm. He doesn't say a lot. There's right. very few like words him in him and
1: but, even the T800. It's like they Well, even though like Arnold had more lines in this movie than the first one.
0: Oh yeah, by far. Um,
1: yeah, he doesn't say much, except for like, like have, have you seen, seen this boy? <laughs> have
0: you seen this boy and get out and you know, like his other references to the first movie and stuff like that. Right. But Oh, man, super, super effective. Anyway, he was nominated for Best Villain. Um, At the MTV Movie Awards, it was also nominated for Best Song, Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine. Uh, It won for Best Action Sequence, like we talked about. Also won for Most Desirable Female, for Linda Hamilton. Best Breakthrough Performance, Best Male Performance, Best Male Performance, and Best Movie. So those are the, the key awards for this absolute box office behemoth number two overall for the year um second only to beauty and the beast according to our data that we have casting crew we got james cameron director and writer oscar winner for titanic three times over honestly he won for editing directing and producing that picture he was also nominated for avatar for editing directing and producing that picture he's also been nominated this year for avatar the way of the water as a producer We don't know if he's going to win yet. Uh, Emmy winner for Years of Living Dangerously as a producer, Secrets of the Whales as a producer, also nominated for Expedition Bismarck. He's a Golden Globe winner for directing Titanic and Avatar. He's also a Razzie winner for writing the script for Rambo, First Blood Part 2. He's also done movies such as Piranha 2, The Spawning, Aliens, Abyss, and True Lies. With Arnold. William Wisher, he's a writer who's done things with James Cameron, like Terminator 1, although he's barely credited in that one, uh, but he's also done A Judge Dredd, 13th Warrior, and Exorcist, The Beginning. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Emmy winner for Years of Living Dangerously as a producer. Golden Globe winner for his a- best acting debut for a movie called Stay Hungry, and he was also nominated for Junior, oddly enough. <laughs> I had no idea he was nominated for Golden Globe for Junior. At the MTV Movie Awards, aside from this movie, he was nominated for Best Dance Sequence and Best Kiss in True Lies, Best Action Sequence in Eraser, and he has a Razzie nomination for Conan the Barbarian, Last Action Hero, Batman and Robin, End of Days, Sixth Day, Around the World in 80 Days, Expendables 3, and Iron Mask. Was he
1: just... Really good at playing a pregnant man. It's been. I saw that movie like a really long time ago. I don't. I mean. I'm just trying to think. I I
0: I I don't know. Like, not nominated for like twins. Not nominated for.
1: Like Predator or... Yeah, I don't know. Well, but... Predator isn't a
0: comedy, so he's less likely oh, okay. to... I'm just thinking... Like, Total cause... Recall is not a comedy. Total, yeah,
1: because I'm thinking about his action movies. Like, he's... Like, The Predator, this, and Total Recall. And, like, Commando and whatnot. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, obviously he's done a ton of stuff. Um, and, obviously, he was governor of California for a time as well. Linda Hamilton played Sarah Connor. Emmy and Golden Globe nominated and Saturn winner for her role in Beauty and the Beast, the TV show. Saturn nominated for Terminator 1 and Dark Fate. Uh as well as this one. Uh, Golden Globe nominated for her Mother's Prayer. She's been in other movies like Children of the Corn, Black Moon Rising, Mr. Destiny and Dante's Peak, and then um, yeah, like we said, Dark Fate. She made her return as Sarah Connor. After a while. Edward Furlong as John Connor, Saturn nominated for Pet Cemetery 2. Spirit nominated for American Heart, Young Artist nominee for American History X. I feel like he wasn't really that young of an artist at that point, but anyway. Uh, Also a winner of the Young Artist Award for A Home of Our Own. Uh, This movie was his debut. He was discovered as part of the casting process for this movie. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he also did an amazing job, uh, especially for a very first acting appearance uh, he went on to do detroit rock city and pecker which is one of my more favorite movies <laughs> one of my like comfort movies um he also had a big single as a singer in japan for a song called Hon- hang on tight have you heard of that did you listen to that at all
1: i don't know if i listened to it but like i I, that I knew it existed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean i'm not gonna talk about his life because he's you know yeah he had a very
0: storied troubled <laughs> history so so that's his history Robert Patrick is the T-1000 Saturn winner and nominee for the X-Files also nominated for Fire in the Sky Fangoria Chainsaw Award nomination for the Faculty Uh, he reprised his role as T-1000 in Wayne's World in a little comedic cameo notable Uh, he was also in Die Hard 2 which landed him this role his work on Die Hard 2 uh, got the attention of James Cameron Zero Tolerance, Double Dragons, Striptease, Copland, and a TV show called The Unit. Uh, we talked about Dr. Silverman, Earl Bowen, he's in 1991 movies, Guilty as Charged, and Samantha. He's also been in things like 19 Again, Walk Like a Man, Alien Nation. he's been in a ton of stuff. Normally playing like doctors, psychiatrists, and whatever. But he also did some voice acting work because he retired from physical performances for a while. Uh, and he went on to do things like uh, World of Warcraft, and he was the voice of LeChuck in the Monkey Island series, and he unfortunately just recently passed away in January of 2023. Joe Morton, who played Miles Dyson, Emmy Award winner for Scandal, Fangoria Chainsaw nomination for Terminator 2, Image Award winner four times over for Scandal, uh, also nominated for Eureka for directing that comedy series, and Our Kind of People for acting again. He was also a Tony-nominated actor for Best Actor in the 1974 play Raisin. Um, He's in the 1991 movie City of Hope. Uh, He was in 212 episodes of the soap opera Search for Tomorrow back in the early 70s. He was the brother in The Brother from Another Planet. Uh, He's been in Forever Young, Speed, and Speed 2, and more recently, The Justice League. S. Epitha -epitha Markers... How am I making this... How am I making so many mistakes with this name? S. Apatha Mark Merkerson. Close enough? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, played Teresa Dyson, Miles' wife, Spirit-nominated Image, Golden Globe, and Emmy winner for Lackawanna Blues, Image Award winner times three for Law and & Order, and also seven more nominations for that role because she is the longest tenured person on Law & Order um, I think longest-tenured uh, African-American character on television, overall. Tony nominated in 1990 for The Piano Lesson, and also in 08 for Comeback Little Sheba. She's been in She's Gotta Have It. I knew her as Reba the Mailwoman from Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, but she's also been in Jacob's Ladder and also has a long tenure on Chicago Med. Danny Cooksey is Tim. I recognized him most of all when i saw this for the first time because
1: yeah, salute your shorts
0: yeah that's that's Nick from salute your shorts also the voice of montana max in the tiny tunes cartoons uh he's he got his start on different strokes well maybe not complete start in different strokes but anyway um he had a long run on different strokes as well he's also been in mac and me i didn't know he was in mac and me but he was it's-
1: I saw that movie when <laughs> I was like eight years I can't remember <laughs> it's been so long all a, I remember is the, the Mac yeah I don't know of any of the humans you don't remember <laughs> the
0: me or the the. the I don't theys know the and me. all thems <laughs> and the thems uh, he was also the voice of Super Ted in Super Ted uh, Kick bucktowski he has a role in that and also roles in Recess um, two more quick little people we talked about Dean Norris as the SWAT leader he has a couple lines but everybody knows him now from breaking bad and under the dome mostly breaking bad uh but yeah he's he's there in the background uh nikki cox is also there is like we talk about notable notable uh, cameo roles yeah. she's like one of the girls that the t1000 asks oh it's like have you seen this boy he's like yeah. yeah
1: i think he's at the galleria right
0: so she's she's there um credited as girl uh <laughs> she's been in things like moonwalker uh, the Straight Up and Forever Your Girl Paula Abdul videos had a long run on on Unhappily Ever After, the syndicated sitcom, which I think was on like the CW or something like that. Yeah. Um, also had a show called Nikki. She was on the Las Vegas TV show and then she stopped acting after 2011 or so. But she's also Grammy nominated in 2016 for a comedy album with her then husband, Jay Moore, called Happy and a Lot. So she's nominated for writing that comedy album with him. So, that's our little pausing on the credits there. We can move on to True Crime and Pop Culture.
1: Okay, so... This movie was released July 3rd, 1991, and that was a Wednesday. And, um... I'm just going to talk about you're going to do like video games and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we really didn't talk about the box office.
0: Just that it was number 2.
1: Okay.
0: It had a budget of 102 million or so, which was very worrisome for the studio. Cuz it was massive for
1: Right. It, it, especially so compared was, like, to the leading uh, into one. like the uh, so in the first week weekend it made thirty one eight thirty one point eight millions million dollars and then it was obviously number one for the first couple of weeks and it was it became number it was over the weekend of Naked Gun two and a half and then the second weekend where Robin Hood Prince of Thieves came out it was still number one and then and the it became the second highest opening. Behind the Batman movie, the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie, and then it's like it went to the top for a long time. For is the top grossing R rated movie. Yeah. For I can't remember what uh knocked it off, recently. Well, Not R rated movie. Yeah, for R rated. Hangover, perhaps. I can't remember now, but it's just like
0: something weird like that. Yeah, also. it
1: was like the top art, but I know like when Titanic came out, Titanic beat became bigger, so it's just like James. Yeah, Thirteen, so yeah. James, yeah, and so that's that wasn't R rated, but just like Titanic beat that. It's just um, James Cameron keeps on beating himself with top rated box office movies, especially now with Avatar, because the first one is still number one top grossing movie ever
0: yeah unless i mean i know they're re- releasing titanic as well yeah for the, yeah, 25th, for the 25th so that might so
1: and then i know a lot of people want to see that again and then in 1997 he did a 3d version of yeah. this did you, did I, did you it? It. No, I did not no, I see it no i didn't know i didn't either but i'm just going to talk I don't about think i even knew
0: that it was happening but i mean oh. I, I will say really quickly though that i think this i think there's an argument that could be made that this is really the start of summer blockbuster movies in full force right like this is this is the epitome this is what you think of when you think of like a summer blockbuster movie like you have the action you have the big stars you have it's an event like it's a big summer event movie and there weren't a whole lot that were like that like batman yeah in 1989 but it's not like the big spectacle this is the big spectacle it's like the explosions and the action and everything the you know what i mean like mm-hmm. this is this is the summer popcorn flick but also yeah. it's meaning so that that's my personal opinion like this is really the jump start of like the summer blockbuster era yeah
1: so then i'm thinking like the r-rated movie that um Knocked Terminator Two out from being number one was Saving Private Ryan. Mm. That was in nineteen ninety eight. But then the the top rated R rated movie now is Joker. Okay. The one with uh, the yeah, Todd Janice. Phillips one, mm-hmm. the Walking Phoenix one. That's that's what I was thinking because I knew it was something recent. Gotcha. But yeah, the the Joker movie is now the top. But I was. It was uh, Saving Private Ryan that was like the next top-rated, R-rated movie. Got it. Okay. So then talking about music, so the score is by composer Brad Fidel. He did the first Terminator. He did the score for the first Terminator, and I actually like the score a lot. It's very synthesizer-y. You mean in the first one? Yeah, the first, and even in this one. There's not as much synth, but in this the, first one is one, the first one, it's all over the place and I like it. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but it also has like you know that it's riff.
1: creepier. The do 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 do. Yeah, but it it's it's creepy and I like that. And then I saw that he did a lot of horror stuff, so like Fright Night and Fright Night Two. He did Serpent of the Rainbow, which mm-hmm. it was like all these movies. I was like, oh yeah, those are good. So I just.
0: Also, yeah, again, sort of speaks to how the first one is more of a horror movie. Yeah. The, the score definitely helps that thematically.
1: And then we already sort of talked about the Guns N' Roses. So the You Could Be Mine single was used for, like, their main song for this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a whole... They were trying, like, James Cameron... And Wisher were trying to come up with, like, the hit song to go along with this movie.
0: Because they did not do that for the first one. No. <laughs> Triangles, I think. Was oh, yeah, band. Triangle.
1: I mean, that, <laughs> I even like that yeah, song. Yeah, the music
0: was fine, but it was nothing, like, nothing that stuck in the But
1: the trailer. the You Could Be Mine single was yeah. the first single to be released on... Guns N' Roses, their Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Okay. And it was on, it's the first single on Use Your Illusion 2, but Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 didn't come out until September. And this single came out in June 1991. So, like, a couple weeks before this movie came out, I -hmm. guess. So, that's why, like, this, and then I know that, the song was released like months in advance of, of their albums, mm-hmm. and that became, just you know, it shot up to like number one for a few weeks. I mean, I know I've seen it on the uh, Billboard one hundred, and it was during this time in the summertime. It was like this, and everything I I do, I do for you, always at the top during the summer. Yeah. And the, uh, the video, it shows, you know, it has the T-800. It has uh, Arnold in it, but it's, like, in the video, it's them coming after the guys in Guns N' Roses.
0: Yeah, with, like, the Terminator vision. The yeah. Red yeah. Infrared stuff and, like, identified slash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly
1: that. And then the other big... Hit that you. They only played this in the beginning of the movie when the T eight hundred goes to that biker bar. The other big hit was this Dwight Yoakam song called "Guitars and Cadillacs." That's what he, he's
0: playing when he's going around the yeah yeah the thing naked.
1: But that that single <laughs> did not do as well that because that was like a re release. Oh okay. That was a song that Dwight Yoakam. Released in 1986. So it was just like a song that James Cameron chose for that scene. Because Wisher wanted to use Bad to the Bone.
0: Which was used after he left the bar.
1: Yeah. So it's just right when he's putting on the biker clothes. And then Cameron didn't like that idea. But I guess they both compromised. And they did both. Yeah, I
0: think... I saw some sort of little comment how Bad to the Bone was used a lot in that. Like, it was probably in the trailer for Problem Child 2. Pro- you you know, know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, and it was kind like of, like, you like hear everywhere. that song so much. It's yeah.
1: just, like, eh. And so, the other thing is that I never went to this, but I wish I did. In 1996, Cameron directed The Attraction, the The Ride. The Terminator ride at Universal Studios theme park called T Two Three D Battle Across Time mm. that went that was uh, like an opening date was nineteen ninety six and but closing date was in two thousand seventeen so it's no longer at Universal Studios huh. but you know it's kind of like it had all the cast. Arnold, Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, Robert Patrick. It was just like a, whatever... Like
0: one of those 4D rides?
1: Well, yeah, it's a 3D ride.
0: I think they call them 4D. Cause oh, do know, they? Like, Is... If the seats move and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. 4D. The...
1: I've never been on it but I wish I went on the ride but we can never go on the ride nope. cuz it was replaced by the Bourne spectacular <laughs> and I was like I didn't know they did like a born identity thing like why would people care? It's in a like, live action about It's the like Bourne yeah or whatever that... It's a live action stunt show based on the Jason Bourne movies like that's worse That's dumb I don't know I'm like, who? Um, I don't know. I would still want... It's like how they're repurposing
0: the Haunted Mansion for the Guardians of the Galaxy Eh. or whatever. It's like, come on. It's
1: like they're getting rid of... I don't know. It's like when they got rid of, you know, like Captain EO or something. Yeah.
0: Like, I understand that some of these things are going to be dated at a certain point.
1: To to replace it with, like, the born identity, it's just like... Do it with, like, yeah, a, like a Marvel thing. Like, I understand, or like, if Star Wars took over. Like, right. if it was, like, a huge franchise, but, like, the Born.
0: There's a lot of things? movies, but I don't consider it a huge franchise. It's right. Just, you know, with a lot of, it's just a bunch of movies. Yeah. I mean, they could probably do Bond. Bond would be better than Born. I don't know if they're both universal. They're probably not. Yeah. I don't think they are. Whatever. Doesn't matter.
1: Right. Uh <laughs> you can talk more about video games and stuff if you want.
0: Okay, so yeah, obviously like this was an R A to movie but it was clearly targeted towards kids. Like this is you know, cigarettes and alcohol pushed towards kids. This is like the Joe Camel of R A movies. Because you had action figures, you had a board game, you had micro machines, mm. you know, like all kinds of like stuff. Um Multiple card sets. You had one from Impel, this company called Impel, which did a lot of non sports stuff. They had a 140 card set, which also offered uh, merchandise giveaways where you, if you pulled certain cards, you could pay an X amount of money and get like a shirt, or you could get like a pen and pencil set, or a mug, or like this leather jacket for like 35 bucks. Um, Tops also put out a 44 card set. And then in 2003, there was an art box set that came out which added like autographs and memorabilia and stuff like that embedded into the cards so if you want something more recent that's that's an option there too on the video game front there were several video games there was the computer one uh which was released for like amiga and commodore and all those different systems which was just called terminator 2 and then you also had other games called terminator 2 judgment day for the nes game boy and sega genesis slash mega drive all three of those, or actually all four of those if you're counting the computers as a separate one, those are all different games, but just with the same name. I've played the Game Boy 1. It is terrible. It is not fun. If you're in the uh, the LA action, you know, the, the the bike with the truck chase scene, uh, the exhaust from the truck hurts you and like will instantly kill you even though you're a Terminator. That, like smoke from the exhaust of a truck. Anyway, terrible game. There's also T2 the arcade game, which was an arcade game, it was a shooter, uh, where you take a little gun and you try to like shoot everybody and whatever. That was ported to the Genesis and also to the Game Boy. I've played the Game Boy one, that is also terrible. Aside from that, it had uh, another computer game called T2 Chess Wars, which is something I hadn't heard of before, but it's basically like battle chess. Mm-hmm. So, you, you do your moves, and then there's little animations for the different pieces that relate to the Terminator movie. Uh, and then there's also a pinball cabinet that was released. So, nonstop video game fun, except very few of those games are fun. So, on to rankings and ratings we go?
1: Yep. Okay.
0: Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Terminator 2 Judgment Day?
1: I'm going to give this movie a five.
0: A five. This is what? How many fives? I'm not going to even. How many? My first.
1: Third? My first. Third, fourth? I think this is my fifth or sixth. Is
0: it? I don't know. Uh, On my zero to four star scale, I am also going to give it a four, my perfect score. Uh, I think that's my third perfect score of four. Again, the only thing I found... To be cheesy in here was some of the attempts at humor. But other than that, this is... But
1: that, like, appeals to the kids. Yeah, like, Which... it's
0: it's fine enough. Like, sometimes you need some comedic relief. It's okay if it's a little goofy. Um, but everything else is done perfectly, in my opinion. So every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again?
1: Yes, I would watch this again. I would, too. I wish I went on the Terminator 2 3D ride because that would have been cool
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, I mean yes I would watch it again as well this is honestly one of the best action movies of all time um so yeah of course like it has everything it's not just the special effects it's not just the action sequences but it's also the conversations you can have from it you know there are different themes and discussion points that are spurred from this movie it, you know it's, it's fantastic and if you out there want to watch terminator 2 judgment day as of this recording in february 2023 it's available on hbo max digital rental vhs or dvd as always check your local listings you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms please remember to rate review subscribe and tell your friends you can email us at 1991 movie at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to watch Boys in the Hood. That's available on Stars, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then. Peace. <clears throat>